Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I never wanted a large church. Never. I always, to me, I, didn't, I never really cared about the size of the church. I remember, and I was telling a friend of mine, even just a couple of days ago, I said, I was telling him, I said, you know, as I think back over my ministry and my life in ministry of, you know, 27, 28, nine years or something, um, I've never had a small Bible study. Never. The first guy I led to the Lord was Anthony Ruby on Camp Pendleton, outside of Oceanside, California. Camp Pendleton led Anthony Ruby to the Lord. And because I led Anthony Ruby to the Lord, I thought I needed to disciple Anthony Ruby. So I went out and bought uh, Unger's Bible Dictionary, which was $32. I will never forget, 32 bucks was a lot of money for a book. Of course, I wasn't a good student, so maybe I didn't know how books cost. So, <laughs> side note. So, so I went out and got Unger's Bible Dictionary, and I started studying about it. I'm teaching Anthony Ruby out on the grass in front of our office on Camp Pendleton, California. And so one guy comes by and he says, hey, can I join the Bible study? And I'm like, well, sure. And then another guy comes and before you know it, he's bringing a guy. And before you know it, I got 30 people sitting on the grass. I mean, in like four or five weeks, I got 30 people sitting on the grass and I'm teaching the Bible study. And then we keep teaching and time is going on. And before you know it, I got to go to two services at lunchtime or a lunchtime Bible study on Camp Pendleton. I've been doing multiple services. (laughs) So then the base chaplain, he goes, uh, oh, Finch, oh, I need to speak with you, Finch. I'm like, yes, sir. Well, what are you doing? I am teaching the Bible. And uh, why are you doing that? Because people need to know it. <laughs> and you're a chaplain. You should know these things. And so he's like, uh, well, you can't do that. I'm like, why? It's on lunchtime and... You know, I really kept to my lunchtime, and I wasn't doing anything wrong or whatever. And, and the problem was there were so many people coming, it was causing a traffic jam. Because especially with the two services, we had, it's just like now. And, um, you know, same, same, same. I'm used to it. So, then they, and then they, you know, and it was drawing bad attention because I'm an E-nothing. And he's like an old 100 and, you know, like an old 10 or something like that. And then so, and I'm going to eat nothing. And he's got two people coming to his Bible study and I don't have any place to put mine. And so, and so he's like, well, how come you should maybe, you know, here's a building. Here's an empty building. Here's a key. Take all those people inside the building because he was making them look bad. I got all these people coming to Bible study. The chaplain got two people coming to Bible study. So they want me to get inside. I was all for that because now we can meet every time because sometimes if it rained, we couldn't meet. So now even if it rains or whatever, we can meet all the time. So we just continue to grow and grow and grow. And then so many years later, God calls me here. 
And again, I'm telling you this because it's God who brings the people, not me. I never advertised. Never in this church did I advertise. God brings me here. First year, we got 110 people. Two years later from that, we got 300 people. Two years later from that, we got 500 people. Uh, Two, three years later from that, we got 900 white people. 900 white folk. Carol, you remember. Carol, you've been here for 18 years. Carol, been here since the church started. I'm going to embarrass you. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up so they can see who you are. I'm your pastor, girl. And have been for 18 years. She's been here for 18 years. She was the very first Bible study I did in the clubhouse. And so you know what I'm saying. It's true. We just kept growing and growing. And then we had all those white people. Remember that? (laughs) And then the news and disturber, they came and they wanted to do a story on us because we had all these white people and I'm a black senior pastor. Only black folks in the church was me and my wife. So we got 900 white folks. So she comes and she does this story and she says, uh, well, um, I'd just like to know. How is it that you got um, all of these people in the church? And I said, what do you mean, white people? How do they get all white people? Say it, white people. White people. So so she said, well, yes, yes. I said, you know what, honestly, I said, and I said, please write this down, because she was doing a story. And I said, please write this down. I said, I don't care who comes. I don't care if they're white, black, red, purple, uh, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, don't matter to me. I never, I care that people know God's word because there's a famine in the land. I care because people know God's word because the word of God is rare in these here days. And, and, And there's death in the pot in the teaching of the word of God. So I only care that God's word is taught. Who God sends is between God. God just happened to send white people. (laughs) Write that down. But I never really care because it's the Lord who builds a house. And unless the Lord builds a house, the man labors in vain. You better know that. That's what the Bible says. Unless it's given to him from heaven. Churches are built from heaven. So you look at a church and go, well, they're a small church. Well, maybe they're supposed to be a small church because God didn't send them that way. And for us, I never wanted a big church. And here we have a big, because God sent these people this way. These things come from heaven. John six thirty seven. write it down. All that the Father gives me will come to me, Jesus said. In other words, the people, the reason people are coming to Jesus and leaving John is because it's the will of God. It's the sovereign work of God in people. Verse 28, John says, I told you, you were a witness. I am not the Christ. John says, this shouldn't be a surprise. God sent him for this very thing. This is God's plan all along. John's ministry is to gather people and give them up. Rise like a meteorite, rise like a star in the wilderness and burn out like a meteorite. That's God's plan from the beginning. John knows it and it brings him joy. You know your Bibles, and you know that the church in Corinth had problems. There were divisions and jealousy and envy and backbiting, and some thought that there were, um, 
you know, more important than others. And some thought that they were more holy than others. And some thought that they were better than others. I think of 1 Corinthians 4, 7, New Living Translation. What makes you better than anyone else? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? Ministry 101. All ministry is God's ministry. We need each other. And without each other, we can't succeed. We need the church down the street. We need churches that are larger than ours. Are you listening? We need churches that are smaller than ours. Calvary Chapel, you've heard me say this before. Calvary Chapel, carry is not for everybody. It's not for everybody. You know, people leave the church and... They don't say goodbye. It's a little tacky. <laughs> Especially if I know you. You know, if I know you and you leave the church and you don't say goodbye, it's got a little bit of tacky, you know. So, okay, fine. So I see some people out in, you know, supermarket, Target or something, you know, and I go, you know, I'm like, I'll, I'll see them, and, you know, and people, when they see me and, and, you know, there's some weirdness or whatever, they try to hide, they try to run. I can see them. They see me coming, they go down, they go the other way, and I see them. And you know what I do? I run them down. <laughs> I will run you down. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, did you? I'll be like, hey, 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 how you doing? They go, oh, oh, that's right. Hey, I didn't see you. Oh, why are you hiding behind the beans? Huh? <laughs> Well, I didn't see you. Uh, hey, how you doing? How's things going? I mean, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Where you been? Well, you know, we, you know, we just decided to go to, you know, church down. <laughs> but you know, we, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, they ain't got nothing to say. You know, we decided to go to church down there, and I'm like, oh, well, that's great. They teach you the Bible. You guys getting fed? Great. And they go, they're disarmed because. I don't care. If you don't, this church is not for everybody. And sometime you need to move on because you can't grow in this pot. God didn't, doesn't have you here. It's not for everybody. So it's okay if you go to another church. I understand that Calvary Chapel is not for everybody. For example, some people really find it important that their children sit with them in the service. Some people really find that really important that the kids sit with them in the service. Well, here at Calvary Chapel, we find it really important that the children get ministered to on their level down there. So we have a problem. Now, listen, there's no, I don't, there's no five-year-old wants to sit here and listen to me tell you the Greek word for Salim. Or the Greek word for Anah. No five-year-old wants to hear that. And if you have a five-year-old that wants to hear that, they're weird. <laughs> you need to get them help. I'm your pastor. I'm trying to help y'all. <laughs> That's just crazy. No five-year-old wants to hear that. Who, who cares? There's five. They're five. They need to go be with other five-year-olds. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to get your kids to like church. Because at five years old, I'm waiting while y'all clap your hands. I, I'm going to wait. 
Because at five years old, you got them sitting in here listening to me. They ain't paying attention. They tearing up the back of the chairs and tearing up the Bible. And, can't. and all you're doing is like, stop it. <laughs> right? By the time you do all that, you haven't heard a thing. You are not growing. The kid's not growing. The kid's going to grow up and hate church because all he thinks of when he thinks of church is your fist. That's all he thinks of. So we're trying to help you. There's a method to the madness. But some people find that very important. What we think is very important that your children go and grow. What I care about is not that you come here. I care that you are going to a church that teaches the Bible, that you can grow and, 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 and love God and know God's word. That's all I care about. This church isn't for everybody. It's not for everybody. And sometimes, you know, you, you come to church and, 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 and the very thing that you, is bugging you, listen, the very thing that's bugging you about this church is the thing that God's trying to use to get you out of here because you need to get gone. So you don't like the, I don't like the paint on the wall. Every time I come, that paint just bugs me up. Man, that carpet, that paint, that black curtain behind the wall. Before that, they had that big star and thing behind Pastor Ronnie's head. <laughs> and every little thing bugs you. I know I'm not talking to anybody here. I'm just talking, okay? Every little thing bugs you. That's God trying to say, it's time for you to get gone. This is not the place for you to be. You need to go so that you can grow. John understood that, and we need to understand that we need each other. We, we don't need another denomination. Jesus wasn't denominational. Say amen. But we need to... Love God and go to the church and be in the place that God has called us to be. John says, I am not the Christ. He who has, in verse 28, 29, look at it. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Now, why does the friend of the bridegroom rejoice over the bridegroom's voice? Well, maybe because his voice means he is here and the friend is glad he's here. Maybe because another voice is being heard. A greater voice, a stronger voice. John 10, 3, 4. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and he leads them out and they follow him for they know his voice. John rejoices and focuses on the voice of the bridegroom. The voice is a superior voice. It's superior to his own. This voice raises the dead, John 5, 25, John eleven forty three. This voice is known by all the sheep, and they follow him, John 10, 3, 4. This voice woos and wins and gathers the bride of Christ. John rejoices in this voice. John has been, listen, watch this. John has been rejoicing in this voice ever since he was in his mother's womb. Don't you remember Mary comes in and John the Baptist leapt in Elizabeth's womb? He's been rejoicing over the voice. John says, it's the best man's responsibility to take care of the groom. It's the best man's responsibility to be sure all things are in order for the groom. He's in charge of getting things set up and making sure things are ready. And once things are ready and the bridegroom shows up, he takes a back seat. In other words, when the best man hears the groom's voice, it's time to step back and rejoice because of the voice of the bridegroom. John says, I'm not the Christ. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. And it's my joy for the people to hear the voice of the bridegroom. Joy is complete. Joy is great. 
John says, it's a joy for the bridegroom to get all the attention. The cameras are all flashing in that direction. The rice is all flying in that direction. The honeymoon is in that direction. And nobody even glances back at the silence voice sitting on the church steps. The voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the shepherd had replaced the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. And in just a few short months, the sword of Herod will completely silence John's voice. It must be so. And in this, John's response, I must decrease He must increase. It's necessary for one to increase and for me to decrease. What a motto. You follow me on Facebook? That was my status. I must decrease. He must increase. Saints, we got to understand something. We as Christians are not being taken just to a destination, but to an image. We are not being taken to a destination, heaven. We're being taken to an image, Jesus. We're being conformed into his image and his likeness. He should be increasing and we should be decreasing. Verse 31 through 36. He who comes from above is above. Verse 31, y'all looking at it. He who comes from above is above what? All. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen, he heard, and that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by what? Measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. And he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God, present perfect tense in the Greek language, abides continually on him. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen, he has heard and testified. I think of Matthew. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about marriage, and they ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause? And Jesus said, because your hearts are so hard and stubborn, you know the story, Moses allowed it. But from the beginning, hear me, from the beginning, it was not so. So when Jesus says from the beginning, it was not so, that implies he was in the beginning. He was there. When Jesus talks about Noah, He says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was there. He knows it's true. When Jesus talks about Abraham, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. He was there with Abraham. And when he says what he's seen and heard, he testifies. He who comes from above is above all. John wants everybody to know where Jesus is from. Jesus is different from everybody else. Why? Because he came from heaven. Amen. That makes him different. He came from heaven. Not only is Jesus different, but he who comes from heaven, he's above all. That tells us that Jesus is greater than everyone else. Verse 34, he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. In other words, Jesus is a uniquely reliable revelation. He has knowledge, firsthand knowledge of things because he has the Holy Spirit without measure in contrast to the previous prophets. Verse 35, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. Now here, I see something very mysterious and profound, saints. I'm coming in for a landing. 
I see something very mysterious and profound in these verses. Jesus speaks the words of God, and God does not give the Spirit in measure. Keep in mind, verse 34 and 35 are without a break. It's one kind of contiguous letter. God gives the Spirit without measure to the Son. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. It could read, the Father is always giving the Son the Spirit without measure and always loving the Son. What does that mean? It means there's a difference between the way the Son of God receives the Spirit of God and the way we receive the Spirit of God. Did you know that? There is a difference in the way, listen, there is a difference in the way the Son of God receives the Spirit of God than the way we receive the Spirit of God. The Son of God receives the Spirit of God without measure. That means that it's measureless. It can't be measured. Why? Because he's infinite. God communicates and imparts and bestows his spirit on the son infinitely. There's one spirit. And as many ways as that spirit can be given, the son has them all. As full as the spirit can be known and enjoyed, the son knows and enjoys them all. The son receives the spirit without measure. We receive the spirit in measure. We receive the spirit when we get saved, but then the Bible tells us to be ye being filled by the Holy Spirit. So every day, listen, you need to go to God and say, God, fill me with this spirit today. God, fill me today with your Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm driving on the 440. Lord, I need an extra filling of the Holy Spirit. Fill me, Lord. Why? Why do you need to be continue, continually filled? Because you leak. You don't believe it? You don't believe it? You don't believe it? Get out there on that 440. You'll be leaking all over the place. Because folk be cutting you off, and all of a sudden you go, man, I'm leaking. And you, oh, I'm leaking. We need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus is different. He received the Spirit without measure. He has it all at one time. Verse 36, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And if you don't believe, you don't have everlasting life with God. But God's wrath abides. Now, remember last week I told you, when God sent his Son, he sent his best. Somebody say amen. John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. I told you last week that God sent his Son into the world to die, not a lamb. Huh? God sent his son into the world, not a bull. God sent his son into the world, not a goat. The sending of his son opens the door of eternal life to those who are condemned and under the wrath of God. Well, today we learn Jesus is the man from heaven. And because Jesus is the man from heaven and because God sent his best to die, there is a heavy price to pay for rejecting him. If you reject the son, then you receive the wrath and you perish. Remember I told you the word perish does not mean only die. It means you die under the wrath and the judgment of God. The idea of the word wrath of God does not mean a sudden gust of bad temper. It means God is allergic to sin. And God's allergic reaction to sin is judgment. And that is connected to his wrath. We have to understand, listen, I'm coming in right here. There's no statute of limitations on sin. There isn't. The wrath of God, the Bible tells us, abides. It remains into the next world. So the wrath of God will only be satisfied by believing in his son, verse 36. 
We've all heard people tell us, you got to read this book. This book is a must read. I'm going to tell you something. John chapter 3 is a must read. Why? Because there's four prominent musts in this chapter. Write them down. The sinner's must. You must be born again, John 3, 7. The Savior's must. So must the Son of Man be lifted up, John 3, 14. The Sovereign's must. He must increase, John 3, 30. And the Servant's must. I must decrease, John 3, 30. The Sinner's must. The Savior's must. The Sovereign's must. And the Servant's must. And you must be born again. You must choose you this day whom you will serve. Will it be God or will it be man? You must choose. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.